Listening to the flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. What up, flip eponymouses? Big, big, big episode today. Episode 40, the big 4 0 over the hill. I'm a man. I'm 40. That's a great, best quote in sports history. Look it up if you don't know it. I can't wait until I turn 40 in three years so I can put that on my social media page. I'm a man. I'm 40. Love it. The podcast, the flip side podcast is 40. Big, big, big episode. I hope you're doing well. My wife and I cooked our first turkey on Thanksgiving. We stayed home. We normally go to Ohio to visit my parents and have a big get-together. And we stayed home because of COVID stuff. And we cooked our first turkey ever. It was fun. It turned out good. It was it was yummy. We're going to do it again. So that was fun. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Looking ahead to... Christmas, and I have the perfect Christmas gift for you. I told you this was a big episode. So, we have a sponsor on the flip side. Please welcome Angry Brew. For real. Angry Brew, coffee with a punch. This is highly caffeinated coffee comes from natural sources so we're not talking about monster drinks and all that crazy stuff with weird chemicals in it they've just selected beans it's a dark roast which i enjoy and selected beans that have a lot of caffeine in them for those of you looking for coffee with a punch so check it out a couple things going on with angry brew one of them is you can head over to angrybrew.com or fivelakes.com and pick up a bag of Angry Brew coffee beans or from Five Lakes, their Chris's Blend. And if you do that, use the promo code FLIP. That is F-L-I-P. And what that'll do is it will give you 10% off of your order and i'm telling you perfect christmas gift because honestly i guess it depends on what age you are what what more do people really need do you really need another sweater everybody loves coffee and this is an awesome way to support a christian-owned business who is supporting the Flipside podcast and if you support the Flipside podcast if you say yeah i like this podcast i want to keep it going then support angry brew and Five Lakes, using the promo code FLIP, it gets you 10% off. They're going to see your purchase. They're going to track your purchase. And they're going to say, hey, yeah, I think we'll continue to support the flip side. So check it out. You'll be hearing more about Angry Brew on the flip side. I love drinking it. And I'll tell you more about Chris's Blend on the next episode. So be sure to check that out. Speaking of awesome new stuff going on 
on the podcast and another way for you to snag yourself some Angry Brew or Chris's Blend if you're interested. Our Patreon swag is ready. R-E-A-D-Y. That spells ready. It has been, I don't know, eight or nine months in the making. (laughs) It is finally ready. So here's what you got to do. Best thing you can do, go to patreon.com slash Noah Philippiak. We have a lineup of swag. So there is Kiss Cut stickers. We have ceramic coffee mugs. We have travel mugs. We have stainless steel water bottles. And we have journals. And all of these items have various flip side decor on them. Uh, One of the flip side designs, I think my favorite, says my third favorite podcast is the flip side. I love that. I got to laugh at my own joke. Yeah, I'm okay to do that. I'm allowed. The other goofy one, there's two goofy ones and two serious ones. The other goofy one says, I'm a flippoponymous. And there is a picture of a cartoon hippo holding up a a speech bubble, I should say, that says, I'm a flippoponymous. The other two designs, uh, one of them, obviously, on the serious side, is Colossians 1. 22 and Colossians 1 22 is a verse that I talk about a lot on the podcast. It is a reminder to us that when the Father sees us, when we're in Christ and we have our faith in Jesus, when He sees us, He sees us as holy, without blemish, and free from accusation, which is an awesome reminder of the value, the uh, affirmation, the approval. Uh, in God's sight that I have, that that I don't have to walk around unloved. I don't have to walk around feeling unlovable because I can be reminded of that truth and go, man, the Father loves me so much. So that's your third option. Your fourth option is a phrase I like to use on the flip side, where grace lives, vulnerability abounds, the flip side podcast. Uh, So the idea there is if we believe in grace, we truly believe that when the Father sees us, he sees us as holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. That's grace. If grace lives there, then I ought to be vulnerable. Vulnerability will abound. I can share with you my junk. I can share with you my struggles, and you won't look at me and go, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you thought that. No, instead you say, man, you are so loved by the Father. You are so loved by Jesus who walks with you every day. And I'm in the same boat as you because I'm forgiven by grace as well. And so you can share your stuff and I can share my stuff and there's no shame. Shame has no place where grace lives. Instead of shame, there's vulnerability. And I'm always encouraging you as listeners and as leaders to go deeper with vulnerability, to lead with vulnerability. So those are your four options. And head over to... 
patreon.com slash noahphilippiak. And depending on what tier of giving you would like to give towards the podcast, you'll qualify for, you know, one, two, three, et cetera, of those items. You can also, I forgot to mention, uh, in that selection, if you got multiple options, you can choose a bag of Angry Brew or Chris's Blend Coffee from Five Lakes as well. So check it out. I'm super pumped about this. I've been talking about this for months and months and months. And I'm telling you, we're at eight patrons right now. And if we get to 10, I know the world wants this. So I'm going to give the world what it wants. I will not shave my beard for a month. And I'm telling you, on December 11th, the day I'm recording this, I'm at about the end of the 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 I'm about on my the the end of my rope. I'm, I'm I need to trim, so I, I I let it go as long as until it gets annoying and kind of itchy, and then I trim it down. I trim it down real close, and then it you know just continues the process out. So if today you listen and go boom, I'm getting on there. I think the lowest tier rate now is three dollars a month. If you say I'm going to be one of those patrons, I'm going to support the flip side. And I'm, I want us to get to 10 so that Noah doesn't shave for a month. I want to see that. I believe it can happen. I believe it can happen. Now, if and when we get to 20, if and when we get to 20, I will shave a handlebar mustache, which I know the world wants to see even more. And I will wear that handlebar, that massive incredible handlebar around for a week. I will wear it around for a week. My wife will love that. She will think that is the awesomest thing ever. She won't. So if you want to make sure that happens and we get to 20, whenever that is, if it happens within this month, it'd be even awesomer because my beard and mustache will be a month full that it will probably never be again. And then we'll, we'll bust out the handlebars. So Check out patreon.com slash Noah Philippiak. And if you get a, you, so you'll get one of these items mailed to you. If you post it on social media with the hashtag FlipsidePod. So that's Flipside, P-O-D, like the band, FlipsidePod. We'll start that out as our hashtag. And you also need to take a picture of you with your item. And link to one, maybe your favorite Flipside episode and encourage people to check it out. You will receive a bonus swag item of your choice. Boom! You'll also want to at me on that so that I see it and know that you did it. I am on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So if you post your post in any other way, you'll have to email me or something to tell me. But you can at Noah Philippiak on any of those, what are those called, platforms, so that, that I can see it. So I'll put all that in the show notes. I know it's a lot. Uh, that way you can check it out. You can study it. You can analyze it. You can pray over your decision. And boom, make it happen. So I'm pretty excited about that. If you can't tell, it was a lot of work. Pretty sweet. Pretty excited. All right, other things going on. Uh, have a have a, a a big episode today. An awesome interview coming up with Mike Whitmer. I'll tell you about that in a moment. We've already recorded it. It was a ton of fun and really deep, good stuff about the Bible. So I encourage you to stick around for that. Going on right now in the news, I'll just talk about it briefly here. 
Uh, Brandon Bernard, he was he was executed. He he uh, received the death penalty. He's 40 years old. It was a crime he committed when he was 18. Uh, a really, really bad crime. Uh, two people were murdered, and um, he was not the the sort of ringleader. He was not the one who orchestrated the plan. Uh, he was an 18-year-old. I'm not making an excuse for him, uh, but 18 years old, you know, sentenced to life in prison. There hadn't been a federal execution in 17 years, so a 17-year hiatus and since July of this year, there's already been 10 of them with three more scheduled by the end of President Trump's term. And uh, Brandon Bernard was one of them today. And it's in, it's in the news because he's black. It's in the news because they're comparing it to how Dylan Roof was treated, uh, a, a white uh, killer who killed nine black people in a church and the police officers escorted him out in a in a bulletproof vest and uh, took him to Burger King and you know just just crazy just crazy we and um, I read a, a letter that Brandon Bernard's daughter wrote to the court and I, I believe to Trump himself asking please don't kill my dad he's my dad and you think about this girl who's sixteen and. Uh, she she still has a relationship with her dad and she explains in the letter it's not a it's not a perfect relationship but he does care about me and I care about him and I get to visit him and see him and write letters to him and she doesn't have a dad anymore and I I don't know I just I don't know if you've ever thought about the death penalty but I it's it's wrong it's it's it goes it Jesus would Jesus is against the death penalty. So I'm just saying all this to say I put a little uh, blog post up today and it just has to do with Matthew 5, 38 through 48. These are Jesus's words, not mine. If you disagree, uh, you can interact with Jesus himself on it. But I'm just going to post that scripture and post just a few short thoughts about how Jesus is against the death penalty. And just I just mourn. I just I mourn. The, the senseless killing of, of Brandon Bernard. Uh, I interviewed, back in 2016, Shane Claiborne on uh, my podcast, this one, but it was back when it was called the Behind the Curtain podcast. So you can find that interview. It's interview 29. Uh, you can find it back in the archives if you go to Podbean or to my blog. But I also just posted it on Twitter as a way for you to to find it there. And Shane wrote a book called Executing Grace, and it's it's all about the death penalty. So I encourage you to check out that interview, and or check out the book if you want to know more or or read more about a, a just a really important subject. And I'll also throw this in there: I just watched the movie Just Mercy this year about Brian Stevenson, and he has a book called Just Mercy as well. I would highly, highly recommend you uh, watching that movie. It's a, it's an excellent movie. has Jamie Foxx in it, uh, Michael B. Jordan in it, who uh, has been in uh, the Apollo Creed movies and was in the Black Panther movie. Uh, and wow, that movie is good and moving, and it'll really, really, really make you think twice about the, the death penalty. So, that's what's going on, sadly, in the world today, but something that I that I needed and wanted to uh, to talk about. So, uh, next, as always, uh, we have a mailbag. You are always welcome to interact with me, agree, disagree, uh, ask questions, give encouragement. You can just write in uh, silly stuff 
The email is podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Let's head over to the mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. All right. So in today's mailbag, I've... <laughs> I've mentioned before, you don't even have to write your name when you write in. We, I, we, we, the podcast, have an anonymous podcast admirer, admirer. Uh, that's what I call this person. Not a, not a podcaster admirer. So that, that's a little weird, a little creepy. We, I, I, I don't want that. I don't want anonymous emails of people that admire me. But this is a podcast podcast admirer like the, like the rest of the world understandable that you would admire this podcast so anyway the email just was commenting on a blog post that i wrote uh called all lives matter versus black lives matter and that's on my blog at noahflippiak.com encourage you to check that out and they just sent in a cool youtube video and I cried when I watched it in, in the video. It, it has it's uh, some photos, and some of the photos were of police officers who were kneeling uh, with protesters during the uh, the George Floyd uh, protests and police brutality protests. And I'm telling you, whenever I see police officers kneeling with protesters, or I, I have a photo that I posted a while ago of a police officer holding up one end of a poster board with a protester holding up the other end and the poster board says end police brutality. I cry. I love it. I feel like it's just so Jesus-y for, for us to be, you know, an, a police officer and a protester to be, to be literally marching together uh, towards this cause. And I love it. So anyway, I posted that video in the comment section of that blog post. I thought that would be a fitting place for it. So thank you. A P A. Uh, they also mentioned some alternate pronouns I could use for them, like A or G. <laughs> I think I'm going to stick with they. I think I'm, even though I know you're not a plural, I'd rather, I'm going to go grammatically incorrect because he or she, it's just too long. It's a little too bulky, too clunky. So anyway, you, as long as you are the, uh, what's, you know, Batman, the the i'm a marvel comic guy i don't know i don't know i don't know the dc stuff but as long as you're in your secret identity and you you know you haven't you haven't told the podcast world that you're bruce wayne uh i'll call you they i'll call you they for now so thank you for writing into the mailbag the mailbag is always open mm, what's it called <laughs> it is called podcast at beyond the battle dot net now coming up next is my interview with Mike Whitmer. Mike Whitmer is professor of systematic theology at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary and pastor of Cedar Springs Baptist Church. He is the author of several books, including Becoming Worldly Saints, Heaven is a Place on Earth, Don't Stop Believing, Despite Doubt, and The Last Enemy. He and his wife, Julie, have been blessed with three children. Because of them, he has no hobbies. I'm reading this off Mike's, off Mike's bio. Because of them, he has no hobbies. Uh, Mike enjoys eating Asian cuisine and cheering for Cleveland sports teams who, over the course of his life, have come in first exactly once. 
Nice. That would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. Probably the team of the Cleveland sports. I don't know. That probably that Mike cares the least about. Yeah, so it's awesome. Mike is a br- big Browns and Indians fan and will always commiserate about their 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 losings, their their failures. Pretty fun. So Mike also, he needs to update his bio because he has a brand new book out called The Bible Explainer. And we're going to talk about that. I have a link to that book in the show notes. And uh, Mike and I will will get into the Bible Explainer and what's unique about it. But it really is unique. It is it is a coffee table book. It is uh, it's it answers over three hundred questions that people have. Controversial stuff, basic stuff, uh, you know, stuff about genocide, stuff about sexuality, stuff about uh, the Old Testament and origins and creation theories and uh, just. All kinds of uh, even even some of the ancient Near East stuff about uh, other other myths and and, and all, all those kinds of things. It's a really 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 good book, and it's it's written for you. It's written for church people. It is not academic. It has jokes throughout it, and I, I I've read selections. Uh, there, there's one on slavery. There's all kinds of stuff in there. Each selection is maybe a page long. Uh, it's and it's it reads like a magazine. It looks like a magazine. Really, really good, and I'm planning to definitely work my way uh, through the whole thing. So, without further ado, here is Mike Whitmer. Hey, Mike, welcome to the flip side, or I should say, welcome back to uh, what is now the flip side. Uh, super glad you could join me today. Hey, thanks, Noah. I wait. So I've been on the flip side before and just haven't known it. You have been on a previous iteration of my podcast when it was called uh, Be- Behind the Curtain Ministry Podcast back in the day. Uh, yes. Wow. So I call it a podcast within a podcast, sort of like Inception, the movie, a, a dream yeah. within a dream. Yes, I, uh, I, I, I couldn't. It, they're kind. Of <laughs> there's no good analogy here. <laughs> Uh, talking about getting in trouble. Uh, I did not have a lot of ex-girlfriends. Let me just put it that way. But that's, I always say my former podcasts are like an ex-girlfriend. I just, but I just can't get rid of them. It's just, there's too many memories. And so uh, they're all on this feed. You though, my friend, are episode 40 of the flip side. That's, that's kind of a a special episode, you know, so that's, wait, wait, you should be honest. Wait, wait, wait. So first of all, this is the beta version. And secondly, <laughs> you're telling me you've had 39 other people on before you got to me? This is this. Wait, this is me, not the me, beta was, version. This is the evolved, advanced. No. It all led to this today. I want to know, like, who, like, tell me who was 39. <laughs> well, I don't do a guest every time because guests like you are high maintenance, and I have to track you down. <laughs> and so that's why I stopped doing the behind the curtain podcast because I got tired. <laughs> Of trying right. to right. uh, grovel at a guest's feet right. to get them on my show, <laughs> so now well, I do right. a mixture. Sometimes I do guests, and sometimes I, it's just me—just me going and talking into the microphone. So, yeah, there you well, go. Okay, I'm sorry for being high maintenance. I yeah, I'll try to be careful. It, you hadn't published a book in a while, so you know hey, you hey, did. Hey, hey, hey. So that's maybe like, I <laughs> maybe I did and just didn't tell you about it. Well. You know, yeah. I need to follow you closer. Then I, I, uh, I need to, I need to be more of a fanboy. I'm working. Now, 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 yours is coming out. Is it summer? Yeah, July, July 2021, with your endorsement on it. I asked Zondervan to put your 
endorsement right. on the front cover of the books, but I'm not sure if, if I did. They said actually. they said no. <laughs> they said no. <laughs> well, I'm going to have you on my podcast, which I'll have it up and running by then. I'm going to call it The Downside. Ooh, I like yeah. that. But my last it's more, more of a realistic view of the uh, of the flip side. <laughs> well, my last name is Philippiac, see, so I don't. You, you gotta, you gotta oh, be, you gotta okay. be a little, a little wittier. Get yeah. Oh, uh, get it, get it. Uh, I can do that because yeah. mine's Whitmer. Uh, you can be the witty podcast. See, All right. see. Did anyone call you witty growing up? I think I could see no, that being I, a good I, nickname. I've never heard that before. You're the first one. No, stop. So you did get called that, and, and you didn't like it. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to poke those wounds. I just, you know, yeah. I don't know. And your, That's why I'm high maintenance. Your prowess, your athletic prowess, I thought maybe that was like a sports nickname or something, but, you know, it's okay. Now that you brought that up, I went to a small, very small Christian high school in Ohio. Okay. And my senior year of high school, I got the most valuable player award for my basketball team. There you go. But – but I was a senior, and the second best player was an eighth grader. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they weren't going to give it to him. But in my defense, he was really good. So he made the team. I love it. It wasn't that wasn't LeBron James or anything, right? Because I know you're both from Ohio. Yeah, no, he the, came up the eighth twenty graders? years after me. Okay. He was twenty miles away and twenty years after me. Wow, twenty miles is close. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm an Ohio boy as well, but I was down near Dayton. Sounds like you were up. Uh, Akron camp. Up in Akron area, so very yep. good, very good, very good. Well, hey, so during COVID, uh, you know the the season, the year that is COVID, my family uh, was bored and we got a puppy because we needed something to do. Uh, you you went out and became a, a pastor uh, in on top of being a, a full time seminary professor. So that's <laughs> um, I'm too busy for this podcast. What am I, I doing know. here? I know you are. That's a I got good... a sermon to write. <laughs> uh, it's on Zoom. You're doing a Zoom sermon. I mean, how hard is that, right? All you got to no, do is... No, we're, we're meeting, man. Oh, we're... man. Oh, don't... I don't want to get into this. I don't want to get into these West Michigan <laughs> politics. Oh, yeah. Not everyone's coming. We're, we're encouraging people not to come. <laughs> we're holding church, but saying, by all means, do not come. It's oh, awkward. man. Love it up there in Cedar Spring. So, but for real though, what's it been like? And I don't know, you know, your full history. Uh, were you, have you been a pastor before? I know you've been a seminary professor for a long time. So um, I guess, have you been one before? And is this either way, like, what's it like now being pastoring and professoring? It's, it's the best of both worlds. So when I was a junior in high school, I said, I, I felt God's call to be a pastor. So I went to college and majored in pre-seminary Bible, went to seminary, got an MDiv, a THM, was graduating from seminary, uh, GRTS, where I teach. And the dean said I should go on for a doctorate. So I, he was like a godlike figure. So I did and got a PhD at Calvin and started teaching at GRTS, which I've been since 96 and have enjoyed it. But then the last three or four or five years, I thought, you know what, if I die without ever getting to pastor a church, I would be very, I'd feel cheated. Like this yeah. is what the goal was all along. And um, so a, 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 there's a church in Cedar Springs. It's now Cedar Springs Baptist Church. And they had fallen on some hard times. Another church helped them out and I got involved. And so two months ago, it's a, it's a new season and good people and just, it's great fun. And the biggest thing I've, it's just, um, it's instant family. Like it's home yeah. and it's great to, so like you were in class before and we have great fun in class, but um, you don't have, when you're in a church, you're your family and you get to know the other the people. So it's, 
I, I have still my academic side, but I also have the people side. And it's just, I just love when someone um, has a health crisis or another issue that I get to be in the room with them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's them, their family and me. And like, what an honor is that? So I'm just enjoying it. I won't quote you that you just said, I love it when someone has a health crisis, unquote. That, is that what I said? I mean, you continued it on, that, but yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. We'll, we won't do that to you here on the flip side. It, we, it's, it's like that hymn, my sin, oh my sin, what a glorious thought. What a glorious thought, unquote. <laughs> yeah. Wait, finish it. Quote Mike Whitmer, at what Mike Whitmer does. No, it's a hymn, right? It's my glorious thought. I know, I know the hymn. I know the hymn. Yeah. We could sing yeah. it. We could do a hymn. Him sing along. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so no, you start and I'll join in. Right. You could be the echo. I like that. I like that. I do. I miss those. I miss those days. Uh, so uh, well, actually, what that reminds me of when I was a student, when I was your student, uh, I was, uh, I mean, I was super young, but I was a full time, I was a senior pastor. I, you know, I planted a church and I was one of the few seminary students at the time, yeah. at least that I was around. Uh, that was in full-time ministry, vocational ministry, uh, and in school. And I liked yep. it a lot because it, 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 I think at times the seminary experience can, you know, the, I don't want to use the word ivory tower, like it's, it, cause that's a, a, a negative, but it, it can, um, it can, you can get stuck in a lot of theory in a good way. It's like stimulating. It's for me, it's fun. You know, those of us that like these things. And I always liked it that I had to preach that Sunday and I was caring for people during the week and I was able to apply immediately the things I was learning and hopefully ask good questions as a student because you or other profs, you know, would say things and I would go, yeah, but what about this? This is the real world boots on the ground, you know, church life. So I kind of love that, that you're doing both. So, you know, you as a professor, not that you didn't have that experience already, but you're 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 living it like full go and i think it's gonna if it and you've probably noticed it already but i would say i think it'll make you an even more effective professor when it comes to um you know the whole reason we go to seminary in the first place which is to build up the church yeah what i've noticed is there's a weight that comes with being a pastor and i feel it and i like it but when i was just a professor not that it was, there's um, kind of a detachment and you can kind of just drop these theological or biblical yeah. grenades and you don't really care about the consequences, like deal with it. This is what's right. But now as a pastor, I, I realize, um, yeah, you got to be, I'm not changing what I believe or what I think the Bible says or what is good theology, but how I present it, that matters equally now. And I don't just go in and drop bombs and then we'll deal with them. Yeah. I mean, I, I because I'm, I'm shepherding them. I need to help them uh, bring them along and, and nurture them and then disciple them. So it's a, it's a different, it's a much better, it's, it's a weight of responsibility, which is real and, and, and it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a good segue into talking about the Bible Explainer. I know you've been working on it for a few years from what I could gather uh, from the book, but I don't remember. I, I saw you write this somewhere, if it was in the book or online somewhere, that this is meant to be a book for the church. It's not meant to be uh, just an academic book, right? And and as I read it, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but as I've read through it, 
it's obvious that you wrote it for the church. I love it. I love how it's it's very visually attractive. Uh, it's uh, you, you use lots of jokes and humor through it, and just the questions you ask are the questions that that church people are are asking. So I guess I uh, let's start out with uh, what what made you want to write a book uh, that well, as a seminary professor that was for the church and wasn't wasn't meant to be an academic book with a huge catalog of, of end notes and, and, you know, all these kind of, all these kind of things. Yeah. Well, that's what I've always enjoyed doing it. All the books I've written are supposed to be readable by anyone in the church. I also want other scholars to read them too, but I think not enough people are writing well for ordinary Christians. So that's always, that's what I love doing. That's my sweet spot. I, I've, I enjoy it. And, um, so this was actually, the idea came from an old college friend who's an editor, and he put me up to it. And so he actually mm. r- researched most of the pictures and did the editing and just a just a really good guy. Um, and then I came up with the questions and the answers. And the it's basically to assume nothing. So someone who's not even a Christian or just interested in the Bible as they've heard things. So it has basic questions like, why is it called Bible? And who wrote the Bible? And where did the events take place? Two very deep controversial questions like, what about genocide in the Old Testament? What about slavery in the Bible? What about women in ministry and other religions and God and Trinity and Jesus? And just so it has some very deep, profound questions and some very basic and a few whimsical questions like, how much did the Bible cost to write? So yeah. just... um. But fun. So it's, I've had people say they're reading it through with their children. So it can be used for a catechesis. But I think because it's such an attractive book with the pictures and all, it, it's, I think, leave it on a coffee table. Mm-hmm. And then when you have a free moment, pick yeah. it up and read a question or two. And, and then slowly you, you find something that's interesting. Or I, I might put it on the back of my toilet. No, don't do that. Well, I mean, that's a good reading spot. No, don't no. That it's it's this is a holy book. <laughs> Should be used with reverence. Well, it's explaining a holy book. I mean, it's it's not. Uh, it's it's uh, explainer of a holy book. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I love it. So, which yeah, you write about some controversial stuff in here, which I love. Uh, what, is there anything you've written about you know controversially that you've gotten? I don't know, any flack for, or maybe if not, you know, that's okay. I'm just curious. Or were there anything, any subjects that were just really fun for you to write on, like your favorite entries? Yeah, my all-time favorite is, um, so, you know, um, a few years ago, there were, there's someone that said they discovered this fragment that said Jesus had a wife and it's now been debunked, but it was like a Harvard scholar and it made the, it was a big in the news for a while made USA today. So there's a section on Jesus. I have a question on, was he a pacifist? And I write a few pages. Was mm-hmm. he a socialist? Write a few pages. Was he a feminist? Write a few pages. And I have, was Jesus married? And I just said, no. <laughs> That's your whole <laughs> that entry. That was my fun question. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I just dismissive of that. That's a stupid question, but it was the, again. Right. So one thing I've learned from being in academics too, is we should not be, I think we're, too easily impressed with scholars and academics and scholars are not smarter than ordinary people hmm. and they, and we shouldn't be overly impressed with them. And, and that's kind of what I want, why I want to write for the church because 
uh, not enough people are doing it and doing it well. And I really think ordinary Christians need to realize that they they've got this, they can do this, and they yeah. shouldn't be sil- shamed into silence because they don't have a PhD. Yeah. Yeah, good point. I tell my listeners they should be overly impressed with me, so I don't appreciate you saying that on here. Well, I didn't mean you. I meant people with PhDs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I just have an MA, so you could be overly impressed with me. It's it's all good. Yes, yes. You you haven't been. Um, and, and seriously, there is a, a lot of insecurity among those with PhDs because they have this doctorate now. Sure, sure. And part of why they write in ways that are very hard to understand is because they're too insecure to write plainly. Mm. And so when you read a theological book that you're not sure that you're, it's hard to read or you're not sure you understand it, yeah. it's, there's a good chance it's not you. It's a good chance it's them just trying to impress you with needlessly large words. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, one thing, and this is kind of my world as far as, I, I don't know, they talk about you discover your author voice or, your, you know, I've been blogging now for, well, it seems like forever. I think, the, I think 2011 is when I started blogging and podcasting. I don't know how long I've been doing that, 2015. And I've this is feedback I get from people that's positive feedback. And I, and I think I'm decent at this where there's all these controversial issues and I, I try to hold true to scripture and but not take uh, and I've heard you say this, I think, too. Um, I'll say things that offend Republicans and I'll say things that offend Democrats. And, you know, I, I try right. to so often in our culture and in the Christian subculture, just because maybe it's because we're Westerners. I don't know. But we here's a big word. Uh, we bifurcate things. We, we what? We, wait, wait. Ah! What does that mean? Yeah, I. A friend of mine used it. I looked it up, and now I use it. So you got to Google it. We we polarize things. It's like it's like there's only two options on this. There's the right answer, and there's a wrong answer. And if I'm the right one, and everybody else is a complete idiot, complete moron. I think a lot of our really our political system is built that way, as far as like the the language around it. And so what I'm wondering, my my question is, you know, theologically, um, there can be some fear. When you're in a conservative, you know, world like you and I are, and uh, I say that in a good way, conservative biblically, like, hey, we believe the Bible is God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you walk? And I see you do it in the book. So I'm curious um, for, to hear you. How do you walk the line of we know this for sure, and then there are several options here, uh, right. and particularly when there, I think there's some on the extreme end of the conservative spectrum that there's only one option all the time. There's never only, there's never multiple options. I'm just curious uh, how you walk that line and maybe how you advise others uh, to walk that line. Yeah, great question. Um, I'll answer that because I do have a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, that's a really good question. So I, I asked myself two questions about any issue. How clear is the Bible about this issue and how central is it? So the more clear the Bible is and the more central it is to the Christian faith, the more I will say, this is the way, or thus saith the Lord. Yeah. But to the extent something is less clear in the Bible, and so good Christians can disagree about it, and or is just not as important core to the Christian faith, I'm much more happy to be, well, it seems to me this is what the right view is, or this is what I believe God is saying. So it's just... Always ask yourself how clear and how core, how central mm-hmm. and how how certain am I that I'm right? So in the book, for instance, like issues with uh, different views on creation, I 
I presented the various, the main options and explained why people held the main option. And I think if you read carefully, you can probably figure out where, which one I like the most, but I was trying to be, um, even handed on that so that um, a young earth creationist and an old earth creationist and an evolutionary creationist could all read the entry and say, yeah, that, that well describes my view and my view that that's exactly what I believe and why I believe it. So trying to be as fair and even handed as I could. Um, same thing with like baptism, Lord's supper, trying to describe the different denominations and why they're different. And, and so that anyone could see themselves rightly represented. And then other issues like um, like salvation, the very last question, the bonus question is about asking the reader if they haven't yet to put their faith in Christ. Yeah. And so I want to just be like, this is the way it is and there's no other way. And this is there's nothing more important than this. I have a few uh, doing pastoral ministry, and um, I'm sure this isn't new for you either. And, and, it, and it will only become more and more. Uh, part of your life as a pastor. Um, I've had several friends who grew up in the church and they, they you know, grew up with uh, the Bible's inerrant, you know, the authoritative and, and understanding of scripture. And then later in their, somewhere in their adulthood, uh, college, grad school, you know, so, uh, I don't like the word secular. What would you just, you know, just a normal, you know, they're at right. University of Michigan or whatever. And, <clears throat> At least in my conversations, it, it typically revolves around either, um, you know, the science question and evolution and sort of, you know, evidence. It's like scientific evidence and archaeology, excuse me, archaeological evidence. And then that, that archaeological stuff will cross over then into uh, ancient Near East studies, uh, Egyptology and, and, uh, and talking through both the Exodus as well as, uh, you know, Genesis 1 through 11, uh, these, you know, very, very ancient, you know, sort of texts and stories. And so what I, my question is, uh, I've had several friends and it, it, it hurts me and I feel like a calling to try to try to help people like this who are leaving their faith <clears throat> because, for, I mean, to, to say it succinctly, uh, they were told, uh, you know, this is God's word, it's the Bible and it's kind of, it's, it's, this is the way it is. And then they find in their, you know, University of Michigan grad school classroom, things that that disagree with archaeologically or scientifically that understanding of the Bible, and and I'm it feels like there's a couple options. One of them is we need to try to defend that stance of the Bible uh, that those University of Michigan professors are wrong or you know whatever it might be. I don't want to get into specifics. Maybe we can, uh, but I'll keep it general for now. Uh, my question really is. Uh, is is the right option to to give arguments on why those professors are wrong? And uh, it sometimes feels <clears throat> a little empty being a you know biased pastor that does not have a degree in, in that in that field, saying that professor and all those other ones and this whole school of of, of academia in the world are wrong. Um, or is there another response? And I'm talking for someone who's they've they've really left their faith, like they've they've tossed out Jesus. Um, the whole house of cards came crashing down, right? Because their faith was built on these stories. Let's just say, I don't know, Noah's Ark, Noah's Ark um, you know, happening the way it happens in scripture. I'm not saying it did or didn't. I'm saying they don't believe it did anymore. And, they, and, and, and they've been given, you know, their professor doesn't think it did anymore. And that type of story 
now crashes their whole view of Scripture. I, I don't want you... I, I, I'm really asking for pastoral advice here. So not hmm. um, not academic, not, um, not even our views on Scripture, but how do we walk alongside of someone like that? Um, and, and not that it's up to us to keep them in the faith, but how do we... How do we best pastor someone who's in a, who's in a spot like that? Yeah, uh, good question. I, I would try and I think it's important to show nuance. So I would emphasize or I would in talking with them, I would say, so here's what I believe and why I believe it. This is why I think, let's say maybe your professor, I disagree with them and here's why. And I think it's important for these reasons. But then so that let's say let's call that the center. Like my position is in the center of what I think is right. But then I also want, want to show nuance and say, but you don't have to agree with my center and my core to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. The Christian faith is larger than, than my view. So this is where I stand and why I stand here and why I think it matters. But there is, there are, there's more room for Christians to disagree with my position, and you're still in the Christian faith. So then whatever the issue is, um, discuss, so could you have this perspective on this issue and i think it's wrong in my eyes but would that necessarily mean you walk away from the faith Mm -hmm. and you is there still room is that a a view that christians can hold so like with with noah's flood uh, i have conservative views and i'm i'm glad i hold them and i have strong reasons for them but i think if someone has questions or isn't sure about the flood or was it Certainly, there are many fine Christians who don't think the flood was universal, and so that's certainly so. That's fine. You you could be a localized flood, and you don't you don't have to walk away from the faith because many many fine Christians think it's a localized flood. So um, there's there's more room. So even like right now, we're my one of my classes. We write a paper on the historical Adam, mm-hmm. and so part of the assignment is to argue for your view, but then also how far out can you go? Maybe it's not your view, but what, how far does the circumference of the Christian faith extend so that, um, w- how far can you go and, and hold something and still be within the Christian faith? So argue for your view and why you hold it, but also how far could you extend, whether it's grace or generosity, to a view that isn't yours, but is still, it's not necessarily heretical. And that's, yeah. that's a now there is a line at some point. I mean, right. there is a line. Where, okay, now you've crossed it, and now you've you've walked away from the faith. But the challenge is, I don't want the Christian faith to be so narrow that we're forcing students in science to make a premature choice, either what my preacher says or my favorite author says, or I have to walk away from the faith. Mm-hmm. So make it so narrow, you present a false choice. But if you make it so broad, there's no more faith to give up because the Christian faith can just mean anything at that point. Yeah, and so that's a, a good question of like where is that boundary, and so I want to argue for my center, uh, graciously argue for my the center of my position, but also realize there's a circumference which is wider and larger than my center, which you can still be somewhere in that circle and still be a Christian. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful, and uh, some of this honestly is just stuff I wrestle with, right, as a pastor. <laughs> And in, in, even in my own faith journey. So uh, give me your, your, your advice on this. Do you think there's danger, let's just say for me, to um, 
the, the saddest thing for me about these friends that have left their faith is they had experienced Jesus. Like our faith ultimately is about Jesus. It's about our faith in Jesus. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we, we experience him. You know, if you grew up in the church, you've experienced Jesus in multiple ways, you know, in, in your teenage years and, uh, if, you know, how, whatever your journey looks like, you've experienced Jesus as a person and in the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I, I always just, it's just so sad to me that, that, you know, th- these, uh, I don't know they're, they're, I don't want to minimize them because I know we're talking about the authority of scripture and that's not a, that's not a minimized subject, but it is sad to me that someone will walk away from Jesus, which who we all would agree is the number one, uh, tenant of our faith because of things like the flood or the creation story, uh, and, and, or even maybe other things, you know, within the old Testament. And I, Oh, it's just, I guess I just want to say that breaks my heart. And I don't think it's necessary. I, I think right. there's a difference between you have to believe these tenants to say, be a member of my church, uh, or a member right. of, you know, a given church. That's, that's one, that's one sort of way of writing out, like, here's the tenants. But I, but I think, and, and again, I understand why. Like, I understand why we don't spend a lot of theological time on this because we don't want to give the impression that these things aren't important because they are. But I, I just think I, I believe fully in the Bible like I always have. I think I just, I, I, I am more convinced that our faith needs to come through a, uh, a living it's a, it's a living relationship with Jesus. It's, and I don't want to use like, you know, one example because like, I, you know, thief on the cross is, a, is an example where like, we don't know anything about this dude. We don't know what he believed about creation or about, um, you know, Noah's Ark or, or whatever, whatever it might be. We just know that he met Jesus. He put his faith in Jesus as his savior and Lord. And Jesus said, you're going to be with me. In, in paradise. And I know others, uh, I think a well-known uh, megachurch pastor, I believe said he is unhitch. We can, Christians can yeah. unhitch the old Testament, you know, from, right. from the new or something like that. Like, and, and right. you can, you can go uh, to that, to that, to that place as well. And it's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> um, so help me out. I'm kind of just throwing a lot of stuff out there because this is a, this is something I, I wrestle with uh, intellectually as well as practically. So, um, what do you think is 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 the right? Uh, what's right about what I just said, and and what would maybe give you uh, cause for maybe caution? No, I agree with that. That's um, that fact. And I'm just looking at the, my "Don't Stop Believing" book um, on page 43. I have a chart where I distinguish between things you must believe, things you must not reject, and things you should believe. Yeah. So just showing nuance, like what you must believe to be a Christian. I think the the, Fli- the Philippian jailers asked the question, "What must I do?" Mm. And the answer was, "Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved." So, what you must believe is, "I'm a sinner, and the Lord Jesus saves me from my sin." If you believe that, congratulations, you're born again. You're a Christian. Yeah. yeah. And then, what you must not reject. I would put the Trinity in that category, and Jesus' deity and humanity. And the historical truths of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and return, those are things, it'd be hard to reject any of that and say that you're a Christian. But then things you should believe in the outer circle, God's perfections, humans are made in God's image, the Bible is God's word, the church is Christ's body, 
the story of creation, fall, redemption, consummation. These are things that I think are important for sure. But if you aren't quite orthodox on these things, you're still born again. You're still a Christian. Mm-hmm. So it's, yes, yeah, I, I like to think of it as the center, the core of, and then, but outside that core, there's room, there's room to be wrong <laughs> in the Christian faith. Yeah. And you're still, a, you're still a Christian. And that's a good thing because I'm wrong about things that I don't know I'm wrong about or I change them. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad there is room to be wrong. Yeah, good point. Uh, I'm reminded of something I remember you saying in class uh, years ago, and it was about the Trinity. What What would you say to someone and that list you just read and go, oh, come on, the Trinity, it's, yeah, it's it's important, but it's it's kind of obscure. It's kind of hard to get your head around. What? Why? Why would that be something that's on your list of things you can't reject? Well, the Athanasian Creed says that. So the Athanasian Creed is not the Bible, but it gives me pause when a significant creed in church history says if you reject the Trinity, you're you cannot be saved. So I'm not saying you have to have figured out the Trinity or. If you're if a child says they want to come to Christ, you have to start with, well, well, Jimmy, have you seen an egg? And then egg has three parts. <laughs> and so, so you don't have to explain the Trinity to come to Christ. But I, I have uh, relatives they're they're oneness Jesus, they're oneness Pentecostals, and they say Jesus is the only person of the Godhead that he, huh. he appears as a Father, then he appears as a Son, now he's present as a Spirit, but it's all one person, Jesus. And then talking to these relatives, and, and it's maddening because. Um, they they go to church and they hmm. they think of the Christian faith a lot like I do, um, and I I said like, I'm not I'm glad I'm not the judge I'm not I'm not yeah. God I'm not saying one way or the other, but I'm saying that the the Christian tradition the 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 history of the church has said you are placing yourself at great risk if you reject the revealed truth of the of the Trinity. Hmm. So and one way to think about it is um, if God is not three persons you can't explain how salvation even works. Like who is Jesus making his sacrifice to mm. himself? Uh, so it doesn't, um, if there's no father, son and spirit, the whole story just kind of collapses in on itself. Yeah. And for the record listeners, uh, Mike Whitmer does not think that the egg is a good analogy. To no, because thank I you for clarifying class. I believe if, there, if I remember right. See, I'm telling you, you're a good professor. I, I remember things that right. you actually taught me. I believe right. you, you thought that there was no analogy uh, that actually worked because right. they're just analogies. Right. The closest yep. one, I believe, you thought of the analogies of all the losers uh, was a dance, I believe. Am I correct in no. remembering that? Or no? No, no. no. You're okay. confusing Wrong. me with someone. Fail I'm me. I'm not the great teacher you thought I was. Fail me. You just you're imputing to me something you heard from somewhere I'm else. I'm so old, my memory yeah. is going, you know? Yeah. Um uh, yeah, I, I I think Jesus gave us one in John seventeen. He said, um, Father, may they be one as we are one, you and me and I and you. So I think the church mm-hmm. is probably the best analogy we have. Like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh what I remember you saying and I do remember you saying this, so it's your memory that's wrong if you don't remember this okay. this time. Uh, All right. <laughs> you said, and it was just helpful for me. You said, if you don't believe in the Trinity, it just means you. It means you're something else. Like when you said you can't be right. a Christian and right. not believe in the Trinity, and that made sense to me. And I, while I don't, I don't know all the nuances of 
what Jehovah's Witnesses believe and what Mormons believe and, and down the line, even you could talk about uh, Islam, for example, but uh, about, you know, their beliefs about Jesus. But I do remember that was very helpful because if, if somebody didn't believe in the Trinity for one reason or another, it would make them potentially a Jehovah's Witness or potentially a Mormon. It would, it would actually make them not a Christian. It would make them believe a different right. faith. Is that Am I re- remembering that somewhat yep, correctly? That, that, that's me. Yeah, so you, the Christian faith is, the, our tradition is, a, it'd be like saying I'm an American, but that that Revolutionary War, that Civil War, that doesn't apply to me. Yeah. No, if you're an American, that's part of your history. Yeah. And so the Trinity is part of our history. And so if you, de- if you deny that, you cannot call yourself a Christian. You must call yourself something different. Yeah. And there's these other world religions, and I'm thinking of... Lo- uh, uh, the early days of my blog, I did do an, a, a post on Mormonism, and I did a post on Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, and, and I did some research and stuff like that. And I do remember, I think both of them uh, have very different views, extremely different views on the Trinity and on Jesus than than we would have. And and so people will say, well, are are you know Mormons saved or Jehovah's Witnesses saved? It's like, well. They believe something very different about Jesus's deity, and you know, and many other things about salvation, and they're not saved by grace, and things things along those lines. But I just remember that helped me a lot with hanging on to the Trinity is more than just uh, you know just some academic thing that you had to learn in uh, catechism or something like that. Yeah, and the Trinity really arises from the deity of Christ. Yeah. So when Jesus appeared and said He's God and prays to a Father who He calls God, well, that you have at least a binity now. And the Spirit comes, and if He's God, then what makes three? So it's it's revelation that gave us the Trinity. Uh, for Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, just real quick, they both make the same mistake of Arianism. So in 325, the Council of Nicaea, the first ecumenical church council, met to uh, defeat Arianism. And by the way, it's Christmas time, and just so you know, um, your listeners, this is a fun story. Uh, Santa Claus <laughs> comes from St. Nicholas. And St. Nicholas was a bishop in what say is Turkey, Myra, Turkey. And he was known to give presents to children and have boots. And and so he's kind of the Santa legend. Well, St. Nicholas at the Council of Nicaea walked across the hall and allegedly punched Arius in the face. Oh, yes. And he said, ho, ho, exactly. <laughs> so there's this, there's this it. meme. It's this meme that I like to pass around at Christmas time. It's a picture of St. Nicholas in the words, I've come to give presents to children and punch heretics in the face, and I've just run out of presents. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. But, anyway, but real quick, so Arius, he he said Jesus is God, but he's not as God as the Father is God. The Father is a, a higher deity than the Son. Mormons, if you read their doctrinal statement, they try and hide that, disguise that fact. But if you, they say God's the eternal Father, and in His Son Jesus Christ. But notice they only call the Father eternal, not mm, the Son. Mm-hmm. But Jehovah's Witnesses, if you go to their, to their website, they're very transparent about it. They say, we pray in Jesus' name, we, do, we believe in his authority, and they say a lot of really good things about Jesus, but they also say we don't think he's equal to the Father. So I, I appreciate the JWs for at least being honest and open about it. But I also notice that you can, you can praise Jesus a lot, and not praise him enough. So they say a lot of, they pray in Jesus' name, they say a lot of great things about Jesus, but if you don't say he's God like the Father is God, you have not praised him enough. Yeah. 
Well, and I and this this could have just been an anecdote conversation, but I was talking with Jehovah's Witness on my porch, uh, and this this is what stimulated me to write these blog posts back then. And I, I just remember talking about being saved by grace, and this uh, it was a it was a pretty uh, hostile conversation after that. I I, uh, <laughs> I remember with the the Mormons, I had them in my house. And I, I had uh, like cookies and coffee and, you know, like we, we hung out and talked for a long time. The Jehovah Witness, uh, it was I think it was just one person. They, they weren't in a pair, I don't think. Um, man, they got really upset when I when I talked about being saved by grace, you know, through Jesus. Um, and and, you know, and, and that Jesus is God. I think I probably talked about both of those at once. But those were. I remember uh, this individual walking off my porch, uh, and I was like, "Just remember." And I wasn't being it. I wasn't trying to be. I was trying to plant a seed. I, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be uh, belligerent to them. I just really wanted them to know, like Jesus wants to save them by grace, and they, they really had a problem with that. So anyway, um, back to the Trinity. I think that is helpful because it gives us, it, 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 it. Well, why don't before we close, um, I, th- this is always helpful to hear this from you. Um, we talked about this uh, at our previous, uh, you know, interview five years ago, which I'm sure is just very vibrant and living in your memory. Um, but I asked you about theology in general. This this idea that um, I think a lot of people say, I don't need theology. You know, I just I just need Jesus and maybe the Bible, <laughs> but uh, but they just kind of do church. They do Jesus. They don't need theology. And um, you had a really, a really good answer to that. I'm curious what, your, what you'd say your thoughts are on that today. Well, everyone does theology. Everyone has some idea of God, and that is theology. So it's not a question of will you do theology or not, but will you do good theology? Will you do informed theology? Will you do Christian theology? Or are you just going to make it up on your own? Yeah. Just like, think of it like with science. You wouldn't just make up science on your own. That'd be stupid. You, there's a science and you have to learn science. So what is more important than God and Jesus and your salvation? Do you really think you're going to make it up on your own and be okay? So it's really, a, I think, a very arrogant thing to even try. So so we theology is just um, what we believe about God, and I believe we should believe what God tells us He's like in Scripture, and that's the safest way to do it. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, just to flesh that out a little bit more, I mean, atheists are are theologians. Uh, every right. pluralist is a theologian. Everybody yep. is a theologian. You know, uh, you're. you're um, your friend from high in high school, they're a theologian. You're, everybody has a belief. You right. know, everybody has it. And I think I think that is that's super helpful. And then lastly, talk about this idea that and you mentioned it earlier that with Ar- Arian, uh sorry, Arius and uh this theology responds to heresy. Can you talk about that a little bit so people can have an understanding of where some of these doctrines um came from, why they developed. I think sometimes people think, oh yeah, they had this council and they just made this stuff up and now we have to believe it. But theology right. is always, uh, I think you mentioned it, I, I'm going to butcher it, but um, I don't even want to say the example because it, it's, I think it sounds silly if I say it, but uh, just uh, flesh, flesh that out a little bit. 
So here's here's the analogy I use, and it's it's very silly, but it's also very profound. The sand of heresy and the oyster of orthodoxy produces a pearl of right doctrine. <laughs> so the sand of heresies, sand is an irritant in an oyster. Mm-hmm. But because of that sand, the oyster responds by creating a pearl out of it. So heresy is when people are saying things that aren't true about important stuff. And when you hear things that aren't true, it forces you to think, well, if that's not true, well, then what is true? Yeah. And then you respond with the truth. And and the reason why heresy matters is like take Arius and the Trinity and Jesus. It's about our salvation's at stake. Yeah. If Jesus is not fully God and not fully man, he can't be my substitute. He can't die in my place. So when Arius was saying oh, he's not quite God like the father's God, he was trying to focus on Jesus humanity, which is important, but he diminished in equally important divine side. And the church said, well, for our salvation, that's wrong and importantly wrong. And so we need to correct it. So when we correct heresy, we're not just being like guarding the fence or trying to shoot people off the wall or just be bad people. We're, we're trying to protect Jesus because we love Jesus and Jesus is the only savior. And if, if we lose Jesus, we lose salvation and we go to hell. So there's just, there's nothing more important than defending the truth about Jesus. So then, uh, you already said this, but to kind of summarize with the Trinity there, and correct me if I'm, if I'm understanding this wrong, there would not have been a need for a doctrine of the Trinity because, uh, in a way, everyone already believed that. That's 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 you didn't need to write out something that was a sort of a, a given about salvation until Arius said something that was uh, not just disagreeing with the Trinity, but something that actually negated negated the Trinity. Then and then once once he did that, and I'm sure had a following behind him, then it was time to write it out. Then it was time to say, okay, since this other false teaching is now out there we have to write out what is the true teaching where we didn't necessarily need to formalize it before is that am, am i understanding kind of that process even a little more than that that um the belief in jesus of course the church knew he was god but hadn't thought hard yet about how is he related to the father exactly yeah and it wasn't until arius said something that wasn't that didn't sound quite right that it forced he forced the church to actually develop their understanding. So theology grew and, and developed. So example that we all can relate to is like f- ever since human civilization, we've all just assumed what marriage is and what maleness is and mm-hmm. femaleness mm-hmm. is. But in the last five, 10 years, as there's been new challenges to marriage and now gender and sex, um, that can be uh, frightening um, for many of us, but also it's an opportunity because now we get to think about like, why did God create male and female? Yeah. And why is marriage the way it is? And what's the beauty of it? What's the power of it? And so the upshot is we should leave this period with a deeper understanding and appreciation of gender, sex, and marriage because of the challenges. Yeah, no, I like that. That's a good, uh, that's a good modern day, modern day example. Um, good. So uh, the last big question uh, is this the year that the Browns will win the Super Bowl? The virus is going to cancel everything, right? <laughs> you know, We're doing too well. God will not let this stand. You know what will happen is you you will get to the Super Bowl. 
Like, you'll get the Super Bowl. You'll be playing some team that's from the NFC that's really bad, that didn't deserve to be there. Yep. And then the virus will cancel the Super Bowl and the rest yep. of the season, and it will never be it'll never be um, rescheduled. That would be very fitting for a Browns, uh, Browns fan. That's exactly how, it, how it's going to go. <laughs> how far team will come down with the virus and they're going to, we got to play it. Anyway. Or that. Yeah, that'll happen too. Yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> so. Love it. That's why you're it's, so pessimistic. I figured it out now. It's because you're a Browns yeah. fan and you're just, I mean, I don't blame you. You, you. Yeah. It's been nurtured into you for, from a young age. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fatalist. I will, can I say one more thing because I just make clear in case anyone in my church uh, yeah. listens to the podcast. Um, I am a Baptist pastor now. Yeah. And for the record, I would never compare the Trinity to a dance. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that because you're everyone in your church does listen to this podcast because yeah. uh, I have five tr- like billion listeners. So I mean, I'm sure I, I just. Yeah. You know, they all they're all they're all listening. So I'm glad right. you just saved your job right there. That was a good good move. And as as Baptists, we we do oppose premarital sex on the grounds that it might just lead to dancing. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> that was the that was a line at Cornerstone when I because when I was an undergrad, dancing was still uh, dancing was still outlawed. So that's that's why we couldn't right. dance. So, <laughs> well, hey, I'll have you back in uh, five years again. Um, you know, 40 people later. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put <laughs> back to the bottom of the Rolodex. Hey, I have, um, I'm editing a book coming. It'll be out next summer. Okay. So you can have me back early. It's called four views on heaven. You know, these Zondervan yeah, yeah. counterpoint nice. books. So there's a book, four views on hell, which gave me the idea. Hey, okay. let's do a happier version of that. Four yeah, views on heaven. Like it. We'll have you so, back on for that. I love it. So I know the real view is that little boy that went to heaven for like yeah. 63 seconds, right? Is he and got a book deal? Is he got a book deal? Is he one of the four views? Uh, he's a, he's going to be a fifth view, which uh, we'll blog about. See him, have him write the foreword. Yes, yeah. love it. I love where this. I is love going. how he went to heaven, got a whole tour, and never saw Jesus, which is kind of the point. <laughs> got a whole tour. I just, uh, I would like you to mention the Big House song by Audio Adrenaline, because that's where all of, please tell me you know that song. Uh, I've heard of it. Because that's where all of my theology of heaven comes from, because I, I used to jam to that song on my paper out in fifth grade. So. Wow. Yeah. My kids, I, I have my kids listen to it, and the, you know, they, they, they love it, so. It's something about God's house, is a, like heaven's a very big, 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 big house. Big house with lots and lots of room. A big table with lots and lots of food, and you'll like this. A big, big <laughs> yard where we can play football. That's my father's house. See? I mean, it's awesome. Okay. Just, I just want you to add these things to the book. Uh, mention my name, and, and we'll, be All right. we'll be good. Why well, do you have to write the conclusion yet? So maybe okay. I'll slip in somehow. Then I'll have you on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'll put in a footnote. We don't ever, no, they'll never see it. <laughs> Nobody reads those anyway, right? No. Oh, love it. Well, thanks, man. Uh, this has been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, uh, I, I'm encouraging readers to, to pick up the Bible explainer and stick it on the back of their toilet. I think that is the perfect yeah. Christmas gift uh, for your, your readers in, in your home. So. Perfect thing for the perfect accompaniment to a toilet. 
the you back of the toilet. toilet. The you back. know what your toilet needs? A book. That's right. On the back to read. It's good right. reading time. It's good reading time. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks, Noah. Good talking to you. All right. And we are back to the podcast. Mike is awesome. That was a super fun interview. And I think helpful, super, super helpful for me and I hope for you as well. So again, pick up a copy of the Bible Explainer. Put it on the back of your toilet because I told you to. That is the best place to read especially things like that, that they're just quick reads. It's a page and you're done. Man, I'm telling you, Mike doesn't know what he's missing. That was totally the marketing angle. They should have put that on the cover of the book with a picture of a toilet, like perfect toilet reading material. The sales would quadruple. So very, very good stuff. Um, oh, I was going to mention he, during our during our interview, at the very end there, Mike brought up the subject of transgenderism, sexuality, homosexuality. And as you know, we've been talking about these subjects on the flip side. So you can still jump in to the book club through the Wesley Hills book, Spiritual Friendship. You really just have to pick up a copy of the book. Head over to noahflipiak.com. Click on the book club, which is not hard to find. It's underneath the blog section. And then just start commenting. Let me know that you're in. And then you can reply to my posts on the book. On January 15th, I'll be interviewing Wesley Hill and taking your questions as well as mine uh, for him. And also uh, January 29th, another podcast preview. I'll be interviewing Lori Krieg. Lori uh, and her husband, Matt. Krieg is their last name. If I didn't say it, didn't say it the whole way the first time with a G at the end. Uh, they have a book called Impossible Marriage, and it's what's called a mixed orientation marriage, where Matt is attracted to women, so heterosexual attraction, and Lori is attracted to women, so homosexual attraction, and within that book, they also talk about gender. And it is a book for anyone single or married and just uh, really going to be a really, really awesome conversation. So I wanted to give you a little preview on that. And then also, I've recently interviewed Preston Sprinkle and he mentioned his book, which now I believe is out. If if it's not out now, uh, then you certainly can pre-order it. But he has a book called Embodied and his book, I'm going to double check here real quick. Uh, his his book is about transgenderism. And I have not read it yet because it just came out. And let me see. It is, it'll be released on February 1st. So boom, there you go. Uh, but so February 1st, you can pre-order that. And Preston's previous book, People to be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an Issue is a fantastic book. Highly recommend it. And I can't wait for uh, the book Embodied. So the subtitle is Transgender Identities. I think that's the right way to say it. The Church. So Transgender Identities, The Church, and What the Bible Has to Say. So a couple of previews uh, for you to check out. Now, I know we got through all that other stuff. Finally, like about time, about time we got done with that interview, about time we got done with all that podcast stuff. It's about time for Noah's rant. So I'll, the only reason I've listened this whole time, 
I've been listening the whole time just to get to know his rants. About time. Well, you're right. It is about time. And forgive me. Sometimes I forget in my excitement for Noah's rant to change the world that I need to give you a warning that if you listen to this podcast for deep spiritual impact, if you listen to this podcast to grow closer in your walk with Jesus, if you listen to this podcast to know more about the Bible, okay, all that stuff's over. It's done. End it now. Just click stop. All good. I love you still. I know you love me. This is your final warning. The, the plane is leaving the runway. You cannot get off the plane after this. If we were, we're entering into what's called Noah's rant, and if you listen, it is your fault. If you listen and go, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm warning you now. It, it will be. It, don't blame me. You just go in the mirror, look in, look in the mirror, and blame yourself. Don't unsubscribe to my podcast. It's your fault. I'm, I am, I'm such a hospitable host it is ridiculous how hospitable I am that I'm warning you now to stop listening. Now, we're ready for Noah's rant. Noah's rant. All right, it's Christmas. Holly jolly Christmas. The best time of the year i could do a perennial does that mean annual <laughs> that's a flower right perennial someone tell me what that means i could do an annual i could do a rant every december first of all on santa claus we lie to our children first of all let me just say the coolest thing i've ever heard about santa claus is what mike whitmer said in our interview <laughs> That the real St. Nicholas walked across the Council of Nicaea, I think it was, and punched Arius in the face? <laughs> That's the only good thing Santa Claus has ever done. We lie to our children that there's such a person as Santa Claus who comes down a chimney that I don't even have and puts a bunch of gifts under the tree that I paid for, and and yeah, I'll confess, my, my wife bought, man, I am a Christmas slacker as a dad. My wife diligently buys all the presents. We pay for them out of our two jobs. And then some made-up joker named Santa Claus gets all the credit. My kids are writing thank you notes to Santa Claus. Here's the thing. I don't lie to my kids about Santa Claus. My wife does. She's a liar. She tells my kids, poor, naive, innocent children, that Santa Claus is real. Why? Because it's fun. She says it's fun. Don't ruin their fun. Yeah, it's fun to lie to kids. Kids are dumb. It's fun to tease them. It's fun to lie to them and trick them. I love that. It's so fun. So here's the thing. I tell my kids, there's no Santa Claus. How could that possibly be real? That this one, uh, what's the right word? Weight challenged individual who <laughs> could who couldn't fit into a chimney if he wanted to fly around the whole world. I'm trying hard not to use expletives right now, particularly, particularly even the Christian pseudonym expletives because i want to 
about old Santa Claus. Also, I forgot to say, because I'm not used to having an awesome sponsor. Noah's Rant is brought to you by Angry Brew. How do you think I got this angry? By drinking Angry Brew. <laughs> Where do you think the rant comes from? It comes from Angry Brew. It's beautiful. Use promo code FLIP to get 10% off your order at angrybrew.com. Back to Santa Claus. The dude is, it's its the dumbest idea in the world. its There's not even a shred of it that's believable. And I like to think my kids, since they're in my gene pool, are somewhat intelligent. But no, they believe in Santa Claus, even though I tell them specifically that he's not real. And that parents just lie to their kids. And you know what they do? They, they don't believe me. They get mad at me. They yell at me. They say, Dad, he is real. He is, he is, he is true. And, and honestly, I don't even bring it up anymore. I don't even bring it up because I'm sick of getting yelled at by a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And now a three-year-old. She just yells because the other ones do. But here's the thing. This nose rant's not even about Santa Claus. That'd be too easy. What an easy target. Santa Claus is the dumbest thing in the world. That's like anybody could rant on how dumb Santa Claus is. That is not what this rant is about. Are you kidding me? All that was just warm-up. That was just to get my vocal cords ready. It is about Christmas, though. Did you not listen to my nose rant this last January? My wife told me to take the Christmas... Uh, what are they called? Decorations down. We put out some lights outside. Not a lot of lights. My neighbors, holy cow, they would put uh, the National Lampoon guy to shame. Or or Tim Allen from Home Improvement. They, they, they've bought out all of Lowe's, it looks like. I, I can't compete with them. I'm too cheap. But I would put up a few lights, you know, a little Christmas cheer, a little Christmas spirit. So my rant in January was about why do we take these these lights down why do we take the tree down if like it who who sits around going oh i got a i got a free sunday afternoon or a free saturday afternoon i i could relax and have some nice sabbath time i could i could enjoy this good creation or i could do a bunch of work or i could spend the next three hours taking down a tree and ornaments and decorations and lights from trees outside that I'm just going to put back up again in 11 months. And, and and you might be saying, you're a Scrooge, Noah. You're a Scrooge. You don't like Christmas. You don't like Santa Claus. You don't even like Jesus. False. That is a false statement. I, I do like Jesus, and I do like Christmas. I am the opposite of a Scrooge. See, a Scrooge says zero months of Christmas. Zero months of Christmas. What I want is 12 months. That's how much I love Christmas. I love it 12 times more than you do. And even even you weirdos who, who put up your decorations before Halloween, you might love Christmas for two months. Well, I love it six times more than you do. I love it 12 months. That's how much I love Christmas. We should keep our decorations up for 12 months. If we're all about Jesus, we're all about his incarnation and all about his birth and all about him coming to earth to save the world, then why not kill two birds with one stone? Why not celebrate Jesus all year long and not waste three hours of a Saturday afternoon putting up decorations that when January comes, 
we're going to waste another three hours taking them all down again. That, I, see, I, I, if you told me paint this room blue, okay, I would do it once. I would paint this room blue once. But if a month later you gave me a, another can of paint and said paint this room beige, I'd be like, dog, you just, what, a month ago, I just spent my whole Saturday painting it blue. Why do you want it to go back to beige? You sh if you if you want it beige, leave it beige the whole year. If you want it blue, you leave it blue the whole year. I, I have better things to do with my time. Obviously, some of you don't. Because I, I, I specifically, this is a double rant rant. This is rant squared. This is the second time we've talked about this. I said in January, we should leave the lights up year-round. Leave the decorations up year-round. The whole world heard it. And yet... My wife still made me take the decorations down and the outdoor lights down last January. So you know what? I'm not putting them back up again. Look up your psychology book. Go to your Google machine. That is called Learned Helplessness. That's right. You got me once. Ain't gonna get me again. Nope. Nope. Oh, no. I, I helped put the tree up, of course. Of course. I, I'm a good American. Good husband. Good father. I have no choice in the matter, but the outdoor decorations, that's that's my world out there. Nope, didn't do it. Haven't put them up. Not going to put them up. You know why? You're trying, you're trying to suck me in. You're trying to seduce me. You're trying to trick me. You're saying, oh, yeah, no, put them up. Dude, it'll be great. Oh, no, no, no. We won't ask you to take them down again in January. We'll let you keep them up all year because, yeah, that makes way more sense to keep them up all year. No, no. Yeah, guess what? Not falling for it again. Not buying it. No, because January will come. And I might be able to outlast you until February, but I know there will be a day where I'm forced to take those decorations down. I'm going, what the friend? What the flip? What the flip side? <laughs> that could be a swag mug. What the flip side? I do not condone that. I also never know what condone means. That is such a complicated word. Just use agree or disagree. I don't know what condone means. I mean, I know what it means because the way you always use it, I can never remember if condone means I I approve of that or I don't approve of that because all I ever hear is we do not condone that behavior. Well, it's a it's a negative then. You either you don't agree with it or you do agree with it. I don't know. Why don't you just say we don't agree with that? We don't approve of that. Well, I don't approve of you saying what the flip side, okay? Don't do it. It's bad. It's naughty. Santa Claus was real, that would get you in trouble. But he's not real. You're fine. You're saved by grace. So you can do whatever you want. Kidding. Joke. <laughs> Please glean zero theology from Noah's rant. That's what the rest of the podcast is for. Not this. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm not putting the lights up. And we'll see. We'll see if, uh, if next year, next December, if anybody listened to me, in the world. The flip side exists to make the world a better place. It exists to make, as Mike Whitmer would say, heaven come to earth. Heaven is a place on earth. That's one of his books. That's what the flip side exists for, to bring heaven here, to bring to bring God's will here, to, to right the wrongs of this world, to bring justice where there is injustice. And, and I know the whole world listens. I know all of Mike's church is listening. Uh, I... I <laughs> I know that every Christmas decorator is listening. So this time, instead of listening and being like the man that looks at his face in the mirror and leaves and forgets what he looks like, that's a Bible verse, in case you were wondering. Why don't you remember what you look like this time? 
Why don't you remember and either keep your decorations up for 12 months or don't put them up at all? Boom. Problem solved. The world is a better place. Bam. The flip side. <laughs> Noah's rant did its job again. Again and again and again. Boom. What an episode. Episode 40 was. Patreon.com slash Noah Flippiak. If you want some awesome swag, check out the notes on how to get bonus swag sent to you. Thank you to Angry Brew for sponsoring the podcast. Use promo code FLIP at angrybrew.com or fivelakes.com to pick up some Angry Brew or some Chris's Blend. Until next time, I will see you on the flip side. The Flip Side with Noah Filipiak is a South Francis Press production. Copyright Noah Filipiak, www.noahfilipiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Use with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Yow, yow, dripping in that gall that don't perish. People selling fake, see the green around their belly. Taking refuge in his hand, see his poems, my living quarters. Close them when I'm finished, it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory, cause you're in or you're out. When you see him in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Then I hope you see him clearly. Raise him, raise him, raise him. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but sure it's with your daisies.